I want you to turn your Bibles with me, if you will, please, to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 17. I love the book of Matthew. I have taught the book of Matthew before in Sunday school. And uh, we're going to look at this remarkable chapter tonight. And uh, it's only 27 verses. And that's much shorter than a lot of the chapters in this great book. There are some chapters that as long as 75, 76 verses long. And uh, this being only almost a third of that. And yet in this chapter, there are three miracles and there are two events that take place that the Lord Jesus uh, uh, says and shares some things. The three miracles is the transfiguration of Christ on Mount Hermon. And then there's the casting out of the demon uh, and the little child, the little boy. And then the miracle of the coin in the fish's mouth. And that's going to be my message tonight. The two other events that I mentioned, one of them is when Jesus rebukes and reprimands the nine disciples that were not with Him on the Mount of Transfiguration. These nine men were supposed to be about doing the Father's business, doing God's work. And lo and behold, here comes a man with a boy that has a demon, and they could not cast that demon out. And, and what a sad thing. Uh, these men had lost their power. Jesus actually identifies and says that they were of little faith. In fact, they were guilty of unbelief. And so Jesus reprimands them and tries to encourage them to get back where they needed to be spiritually. Then the other thing that took place in this chapter is that Jesus makes a second announcement about the fact that He will be betrayed. He will be arrested. He will be crucified. And then He will one day gloriously resurrect. You know, the first time He told them that was just a chapter before. In chapter 16, Jesus shared that information with them. And it's not but a few days later, He does it again. Why? He's preparing them for what's coming ahead. Now, there's one important underlying fact that I'd like to share with you as I talk about this miracle uh, tonight. And that is the fact that only Peter, only the Apostle Peter was present during these two events, these two conversations, and witnessed the three miracles. In fact, Peter was the only apostle present on that last miracle. You know what Jesus was doing? He was investing and working hard at trying to prepare these men, increase their faith, increase their courage, increase their understanding, comprehension of understanding what's coming in the weeks ahead. We're less than six months in this book, in chapter 17, we're less than six months of Jesus being arrested, betrayed, crucified, and then resurrecting and conquering death for each and every one of us. You know, there was a primary purpose why Jesus took Peter, James, and John out the mount, up to the Mount Hermon to experience uh, the manifestation of heaven and to for them to personally see the glorious transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was only one reason why He did that. He wanted these three men, this inner circle group, Peter, James, and John, He wanted them to have absolute confidence beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the Son of God. And of course, God Himself verified that with the great voice that came down and said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, let's look at this amazing chapter. 
chapter 17, and we're going to look at just a few verses. I want you to look in particular for verse 24 through 27, and we'll read it there, please. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter, and they said, Doth not your master pay tribute or pay this tax for the temple? And he saith, Yes. And when he was come into the house, that is the house that I believe was Peter's home, that was his hometown, Capernaum, Jesus prevented him or anticipated him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? And uh, is it of their children or of strangers? And Peter said unto him, Of strangers. And Jesus said unto him, then are the children free? Now, let me just pause right there before I leave, read the last verse of this chapter and about this miracle. The remark that Jesus made to him said, You understand, Peter, I am the king. Now, my kingdom is not of this world, but I am the king. And you are one of my children. You're one of my sons in the faith. And technically, I don't owe taxes. I shouldn't have to pay any taxes. You shouldn't either, Peter. You're a child of the king. You know, isn't that a glorious thought? You, my friend, are a child of the king. And Jesus was trying to make Peter understand and illustrate that he did not have to pay taxes. But he goes on to say, notice what he says in verse 27. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend, Fend them, go thou to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them uh, for me and for thee. And so we'll look at that verse again. There's Five unique things about this particular miracle. It's not one of those spectacular miracles that you hear a lot of teaching and preaching about. It might happen in children's church. It might happen in Sunday school. But I don't hear a lot of preaching about this particular miracle. It doesn't even compare with like uh, the feeding of the 5,000, which by the way is the only miracle that you'll find in all four Gospels. I love that miracle. I have preached on it a number of times. And there's a lot of different lessons to be learned from that miracle. But as I have invested some time in study, I've learned that there's a lot of unique facts about this little miracle here. Now, there, the five things are is that this miracle is only recorded in the book of Matthew. That makes sense. Matthew was a tax collector. And it's all about these tax collectors coming and wanting to receive the tribute that's needed to keep the temple maintained. Keep it up. And so uh, it's only recorded in Matthew. Number two, it's the only miracle that Jesus performed to meet his own need. You know, Satan tempted him in the wilderness and tried to get him to turn stones into bread. He tried to get him to do a number of different things. He resisted. He refused. He never did any of those. He could have, but he didn't. But today in this lesson, he is performing a miracle to benefit himself. It's the one and only miracle of the hundreds of miracles that Jesus performed that he ever did anything for himself. 
And then, this miracle is the only miracle performed using money. Again, kind of interesting that uh, Matthew would record this. And then thirdly, or fourthly, it is the only miracle using only one fish. Now stop and think about it. In other miracles involving fish, how many fish did Jesus use? Well, when he fed the 5,000, he used a few fishes. And fed the 4,000, I believe there was three or four fish, and then several loaves of bread. But when he performed the miracle, when he told the disciples, cast the net on the other side of the ship. Anybody remember how many fish was caught? 153 fish. And so, but in this miracle, only one fish. And then there's one last thing. This miracle was performed for the benefit of the Apostle Peter. When I lived in Alabama for about 15 years, I had several buddies that were bass fishermen. Man, I'm telling you what. They had the boats. They had the equipment. Uh, they had all the gear. And I had the time. And I went fishing with those fellas. I loved it. Uh, we went on the Tennessee River, the Tom Bigby Waterway. We went to Big Bear and Little Bear Reserves. And uh, the, the fishing was fantastic in northwest Alabama. And we caught a lot of bass. We caught a whole lot of, well, over here you call it crappy. Over there in the Holy Land in Alabama, we call them crappie. We get over here, you people have corrupted the name of a fish, and you call it crappy. We call crappy today. That didn't even sound good to me. But uh, you know what? We love crappy. We love crappie. We love to eat it. And I love bass fish. I love striped bass fish. And uh, I like a number of types. Sandy Walker was my favorite fishing buddy. Had a beautiful boat. Had wonderful gear. And uh, he would enable me to use it. And I went oftentimes with him. We caught a mess of fish one day, took it home, went to his house. He had a cleaning table he used. And there he is. He's cleaning the fish away. He could fillet them beautifully. And then he was a good fryer. And we just had a great time with that. And he opened up one of those fish. You know what we found in there? A beautiful, shiny little charm that had fallen off a lady's charm bracelet. It was shaped like a shell. I have no doubt, just like the coin that must have fell out of a boat, out of somebody's hand in the Sea of Galilee, that little charm fell out into the water. It got away from that young lady. How it came off, we don't know, but it floated down. A fish saw it, and a fish ate it. It wound up in its belly, and we filleted it one day and opened it up and pulled that charm out of there. Well, lo and behold, that's the story that Peter did. Peter goes to the Sea of Galilee. Jesus instructed him. He said, go take you a, 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 a line, a pole, get you a bait, and put that hook in there. And the first fish that comes out, that fish is going to have a coin lodged in its mouth, in its gullet. And so that's what happened. And uh, I enjoyed my fishing days in Alabama, and I've often thought about that little story of what occurred to me. There are... Uh, uh, several things about this story that I, I want to bring out some points, some lessons that you and I can learn and glean from. I've got four or five simple lessons. This is a simple message. It's a simple thought, but there are some profound lessons that you and I as Christians, we can, we can study and glean from. First of all, it is another picture of just how much Jesus cares for His children for His disciples, for His loved ones and those that follow Him. 
Even though Peter did not accurately represent the Lord Jesus when he talked to those temple representatives collecting the tax, Peter quickly said, yeah, he pays his taxes, absolutely pays his taxes. Peter didn't know that. Peter had not been with Jesus before when he paid a tax. And so uh, he, uh, he answered yes. Why did he do that? Peter was trying to make Jesus look good. He was trying to be sure that these people would not uh, condemn the Lord Jesus Christ or criticize Christ. After all, he's an example in everything and every aspect of his life. But if he didn't pay his taxes, people would look down on him. And so uh, Peter was afraid that the best thing he could do is say, yes, he paid his taxes. Then Peter decided, I'll figure it out later. I'll come up with the money. I'll, I'll pay my tax. I'll pay Jesus' tax. But I want to cover Jesus. But Jesus had a plan. Jesus had prepared a fish. Jesus had someone to drop a coin. And it was all taken care of. Jesus orchestrated it all. Secondly, Jesus is the great provider. Here again, Jesus has a plan for Peter to come up with the money to pay the taxes. And not only pay just Jesus' taxes, he included Peter. Oh, what a loving Savior the Lord Jesus Christ is. Then number three, Jesus tells Peter, we should not offend them. You know what? He was concerned about his image, his representation. Jesus was concerned what others thought of him. You know what, folks? You and I should care too. We ought to care what people think. We ought to care what our neighbors think. We ought to care what our co-workers think. We ought to care with what people think that hardly even know us and they're just getting acquainted with us, that they look at us and they see Christ in us. Uh, people are always watching us. There's a verse in the Old Testament I learned many, many years ago. It is in the book of Psalms, Psalm 37, 32. Write that down or look it up sometime. Psalm 37, 32. The Bible says, The wicked watcheth the righteous. Lost people are always watching you and I. And they're paying particular attention to what we say, what we do, how we act, how we react, and they're always observing us. They expect us to live a holy life, a clean life, a wholesome life, a Christ-like life. And you know what? Let us make one wrong move. Let us make one wrong statement. Make us imply something that's wrong or inappropriate. And you know what? They'll hold us to it. They'll, they'll say something to you. They'll criticize you. They may have never complimented you one time for doing all the good that you may have done. But you make a mistake just one time. Sure enough, they're holding you to a different standard. And so is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we should do that. You know what Jesus said? He told Peter, He said, we need to be a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. We need to be an example unto others and help people to see and understand that we live for the Lord. Number four, Jesus is always behind the scenes working. I am astounded how often I see that God orchestrated and was at work behind the scenes. When people are sick, or people fall on hard times, or they're going through a very difficult trial and tough time, a tribulation, perhaps even persecution, on the job or whatever, folks, 
My God cares for you. My God cares for me. My God is at work and He's always working behind the scenes to take care of us. He had a plan for Peter. He had a plan to try and help him through this time. And then lastly, and we like lastly, don't we? This miracle story is not really all about the fish or the coin. This story is really, even though it's important, even though it's unique, it's unusual, and it's some kind of things about it that, that are rather funny, rather humorous. But the truth of the matter is, this miracle is all about relationships. Jesus' relationship with Peter. Jesus' relationship with the lost world. Jesus' relationship with all those He comes in contact with. I'm so thankful that I'm a part of the family of God. I love that song. I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God. I used to sing that with some of my uh, brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and we'd do it in our church and we just loved it. And, it, and, and the song seemed to be even more important to us because we were a part of one another's family physically here on earth, but we were part of the family of God as well. But, uh, you know, you know this and I know this. Let's not forget that with relationship comes responsibility. And with responsibility comes accountability. We're a part of the family of God. God is our Father. Jesus is our Savior. We owe it to God the Father. We owe it to our precious Lord to be faithful. God expects His children to be faithful. Live like a child of God and work like a man or woman of God. Make a difference. Keep on trusting the Lord. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the privilege to preach Your Word tonight. And I thank You for this miracle, for this little story, for this incident. There are so many other things that we could share tonight, but to think that we're a part of a great family, a family that loves one another, we knit our hearts together, we bind together, we increase our forces together so that we can accomplish the great will of our Lord and Savior. I thank you too, dear Lord, for the fact that you do work behind the scenes and how that you work in our lives and that you bring us through the many different difficulties and trials and problems that we may face. You are a great Father. You are a great God. We love you. We praise you. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise because you are worthy. In Christ's name we ask these things. Amen.